I think it's so important to really be loving and gentle and forgiving toward yourself for those things that we all do and all have done that if we had it to do over, we would make a different choice because looking back on it, we think like, eh, not my finest hour. Uh, But that's a really important part of being a better person because otherwise you're trying to prove that you're a good person. That's not actually authentic, you know? Hi, I'm Kate Hanley, and you're entering the world premiere of Season 2 of World Gone Good. Hello, my name is Steve, and I'm going to start by asking this question. Did you miss me? Well, I missed you. I did. I missed our weekly get-togethers to share some good here on World Gone Good, and I'm glad you're back to join me for the kickoff of Season 2. I don't really know how seasons work on podcasts or if there are even seasons to be had for podcasts, but I do know this. You, yes, you, you can help us spread the good by sharing and subscribing to our show. Have you done that yet? Either of those things? Right where you're listening right now, you can hit the follow button and you can copy the link and you can send it out throughout the your own social media empire. More people will come to join our good cult Are cults ever good? I don't know the answer to that either. But yes, please share and subscribe. And if you feel like going the extra good mile, why don't you rate and review us too? The more you do all these things, the more good we collectively spread. And that, my friends, I do know. So yes, and yay, we are back here again, turning the light on in the darkness to prove there is still good out there. But now we're going to add a new twist, one you never saw coming. That's my um, promo voice. Do you like it? I think it's pretty good. So to kick off our new episodes, we are going to do more than just hear from some good people doing good things. We are going one step further. We are going to hear what they have to say, and we are going to reflect it back on ourselves, in our own lives, to make it actually happen for us, making the good happen. And when I say we, I mean I am at least because as I've pointed out a few times before, I am not the boss of you. This is merely a suggestion. Uh, In the coming weeks, we are going to explore some good things that we can take action on ourselves. Like what, Steve? Well, like the good of composting with my guest and pal Michelle Yan. The good of finding our purpose with the international team from Project 100. The good of recognizing and celebrating art in the most unexpected places with my guest Laura Brody from Opulent Mobility. And today we kick off our World Gone Good action plan, someone trademarked that for me, by exploring and learning how we can be not just good people, but better people with my guest, Kate Hanley. Who is Kate Hanley, you ask? Man, you people have a lot of questions today. Kate is the author of How to Be a Better Person. Here we are wanting to know how to be better people, and she wrote a book on it. But I don't want to have to read anything to be a better person, Steve. Just tell me how to be a better person. Well, lucky, incredibly lazy you. It's not just a book. It's also a daily podcast of the same name, which Kate hosts. So, Who's ready to take some good action in their life, starting with becoming a better person? I am. I really am. And I hope you are too. Well, here we are, two podcasters with very similar podcasting beliefs. And 
you host a show called How to Be a Better Person, and we're going to dive in. You just had a give a shit challenge, and I think that's where we should dive in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We are like two brothers from another mother, although I'm a sister. I don't know how that works, but (laughs) I'm so happy that we're connected. And yeah, um, I did just have my first ever give a shit challenge. I... Basically, it dawned on me one day that I was making a podcast for people who give a shit. Just, you know, there's a lot of, I don't give a fuck. Uh, I, there's a there's zero fucks being given in a lot of places. And I got nothing against that. But what does that mean for the people who care? <laughs> right. Um, so I just, and I, you know, one night I just had this like random epiphany. I saw this vision in my mind of a cute poop emoji, which thankfully the poop emojis are cute. They all have this big smile on their face, right? But in my signature turquoise color, a branded poop emoji, if you would. And it just said, I give a shit. And uh, you know what it was? I was celebrating my uh, 500th episode and I wanted to do something special for it. And so I decided to make this, I give a shit sticker and give it away for free. Luckily, my husband is a designer. He made it for me while he was watching TV that night. And you can just upload these things these days and and get them printed. And it's so easy to do. And I just said, hey, everybody, I'm celebrating my 500th episode. Let me know if you want a sticker. And oh my goodness, so many people wanted a sticker. And I just, and they would write to me and say, I give a shit. You know, it was, some, <laughs> I can just tell it was something that people were feeling like, yeah, that, you know, it was like a zing in their, in their gut. And um, so I decided to kind of play with that a little bit and put together an I give a shit challenge, which you discovered, I think was some of your first episodes that you listened to. Yes. Yes, I did a deep dive because your show, How to Be a Better Person, you are in it. You do it five days a week, seven days a week? (laughs) I started off doing it seven days a week, but I quickly cut it back to five. I know. That was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And how long are the episodes? You tell them. Yeah, they're 10 minutes or less. Um, I try and make them five minutes, but I have kissed the Blarney stone and I have the gift of gab. And if you, if we need a safe word, let's just say you could just uh, use the word cheeseburger and I'll stop talking and you can start talking. Um, So sometimes they go over five minutes, but I really do try and keep them under 10 unless I'm interviewing someone. And then I try and keep them around 15. This all started because something in you needed to express the importance of what for you, being a better person, living in a better world, spreading good. What what was it? What what was the spark? The pile of kindling that caught fire was that I have a background in yoga and meditation. I have been practicing since 1995, and I have written several books on stressing less. I have a book called Stress Less. My first book was called The Anywhere Anytime Chill Guide, and it was all me trying to help people realize that they have some tools that will help them calm down and just like come back to some level of feeling okay about things. Even if they didn't feel like yoga was for them or if they felt too ADD or too inflexible or too whatever. I just wanted to be able to 
to show people like, hey, you could take three breaths while resting your hand on your stomach and you are going to feel so different afterwards. I'm doing that right now. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm going to do it too. (laughs) And so what I finally figured out is that it's not like reducing stress is not the goal. Reducing stress is the means to the end of then being able to be your best self, uh, to do the things that matter to you, to speak up when you needs to, when you feel like you need to speak up about something or to go try and make some kind of a difference that you perceive needs to be made. And so I had written these three books on stress relief and it was then the spark was a poll from Marist University that came out in December 2016. So that was right after the presidential election. The country felt so divided. Uh, People felt very upset on both sides of the aisle about what is happening in the world and in our country. And for the first time ever, this poll found that the most popular New Year's resolution was not quit smoking, not lose weight, not fix something that's wrong. It was be a better person. And I thought, oh my goodness, here's something that gives me hope in this moment when I feel like there is no hope is that people are realizing that we all can't just get, you know, so involved in our own dramas and the rest of the world can go hang. You know, we all kind of realize that we have to be part of the solution and I want to help. So it started with a book called How to Be a Better Person. What's interesting about, to me, about that poll And that New Year's resolution is that is hope. And I remember in 2016 thinking, well, he can't be that bad. And I don't want to get all political here, but I'm going to get all political here. (laughs) I thought that was a show. That was just to get the position that he wanted. And then as it kept dividing and the divisiveness was celebrated, I myself fell into a hole of like, what are we doing? What is happening? What these, this isn't who we are. And I was so inspired. I was inspired by the people who were getting angry because at least they were feeling something. Right. And I mean, in terms of those people who were getting angry, but then taking action to make change and to make change for a better world that we live in. It It is really interesting to me. I would love to see, I don't know if I could, I'd love to see if donations went up to charities in the last four years. Because in my mind, <laughs> the amount of money I've given to things, because I just want to help other people and the For importance sure. of helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it? I mean, this is really general here. And I do this sometimes on here. What does it mean to be a better person to you? Well, I, so I love be a better person because as you say, it is hopeful. It is like moving towards something good, but it's also very amorphous and vague. So I do try and think about what it actually means to me. It's easy to think be a better person means be a good person, but to me, it doesn't even mean that it means better relative to you. So if you know, I don't know. You could be, (laughs) I don't want to offer a stereotypical description of a bad person because there really are 
we're not going there, but you it's know, subjective. Like, it's so subjective. I mean, there, there is objectivity to hear like murder bad. <laughs> right. but, okay. If you, if you murdered 10 people <laughs> in 2021, but you only murder eight people in 2020, well, that is better. <laughs> you're a better person. <laughs> Because it's not, you know, it's not, we have to be careful against, there's a real drive to like being perfect or being good. I feel like it's more prevalent than ever. And I do believe in self-improvement, but that's not coming from a place of because you're bad, you're already good, right? but there's always more available to us. There's more insight. There's more compassion. There's more authenticity, you know, all these coaching words. Uh, but there, it, we're never done. I just, we're never done growing. I hope that I'm growing until the day I take my last breath. And that's what being a better person is about to me is continuing to expand your horizons and your capacities. Well, it's right there in the words. I mean, you have the word good and then you have the word better. So it, it, it's all how you look at it. Now on that note, what is your background? Who are you and how dare you tell us to be better? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Well, as you know, as I mentioned, I have a big background in yoga and meditation. I did my yoga teacher training back in 2003. And that is where I had the, this experience. I always worked as, um, as an editor. I was in an editorial capacity. I was an editor at a small publishing company, my first job before I started practicing yoga. And then I moved to New York and I got, I was a producer at a website for women. It was called iVillage. And I was one of the first employees there. And at my editorial jobs, you know, I used to sneak out and go try and do yoga classes during lunch to help me deal with the stress of my job. And the more I sort of did that those practices that make you just sit still and be with yourself and understand where you are in this present moment and not like your to-do list or where you're going tonight or what you got to get done by the end of the week, that kind of a thing. The more I just felt like that's where the richness in life was coming from. And the balance sort of started to tip to the point where when my new media company started to do layoffs because this the boom, the tech bubble was bursting. I raised my hand and decided to go do my yoga teacher training. I thought I wanted to do something like more meaningful, less on the computer, more in the room with people. And the funny thing is that when I did that year-long teacher training and spent all that time with myself and observing my thoughts, what I heard and saw very clearly was that I wanted to write. And so as soon as I finished my yoga teacher training, I started my own website. It was called Ms. Mind Body. And I started sending out an email newsletter. And that was kind of my way to bring yoga teaching to people outside the format of your traditional yoga class, which, um, you know, with like the yoga goddesses who can touch the top of their head with their foot, and then you feel bad about yourself. I just wanted to bring like the (laughs) philosophy and the stuff to think about and the like, (laughs) um, the more uh, stuff that you could integrate anywhere and you didn't necessarily have to be on a yoga mat for. So um, from that email newsletter and that blog that I started publishing came my first book, The Anywhere Anytime Chill Guide. So this is where I started. This is where how I started to inhabit my teaching. And I did that for a few years and also started writing for magazines because 
I could show editors like, hey, I really care about this stuff. And this is me writing about it when I'm being unedited. I'd like to write articles for you. And they were like, okay. It was kind of amazing that way. And so I was a contributing writer at Whole Living, which was a Martha Stewart magazine for many, many years. And I wrote for health and parents and Real Simple and all these places about wellness and stress reduction and like being true to yourself. And then the recession hit in 2008. By 2010, pretty much all the magazines that I wrote for had closed. I was having a complete crisis and didn't know what to do. And so I hired a coach to help me figure out how to make more money as a writer. And man, it was so cool to have She was like a business coach, a life coach, a mindset coach. I don't know. It was just so powerful to have an objective voice in my ear who was helping me see all the ways that I had been trying to go about things that were no longer working and suggesting new ways that I could go about things. That was so powerful that I ended up doing my coaching training and working as a coach for many years. Um, So I have the yoga teacher piece. I've got the coaching piece. And then I also have the journalism piece. I've continued to um, write, I mean, how to be a better person and even my books, I love them, but they're a side hustle, you know, takes a while for a podcast to pay your bills. So um, I help people write their books and I specialize in writing health books and business books and personal development books. So I get deep into many experts' brains in a lot of different topics too. So I feel like I have, I'm like this, um, I'm a synthesizer (laughs) or like a sausage, (laughs) a sausage grinder, like a lot of, I have a lot of inputs coming in and then I can kind of digest it and spit it out in this very palatable bite size. I guess I'm making like cocktail weenies of self-development, personal development (laughs) that you can just digest in a few minutes here and there. What's interesting is a couple things. First of all, I talk about this on the show a lot is that I have guests like you come on with these expansive backgrounds that are so impressive and it almost feels like an ocean. And so many times when we're under stress, the way we've been under stress in the last four years, especially the last two years in the pandemic, an ocean is too much for us to deal with. Mm -hmm. So for many people, I feel myself included, like a droplet, a droplet here, a droplet there. And that's what I love about your podcast is your messaging is in five minutes. It is in eight minutes. And it's a, you know, you and I were writing, you know, back and forth before we started recording. uh, And I said, I called it bite-sized. And, and I love that because I feel my podcast is bite-sized at 30 minutes because I listen to, you know, I listen to podcasts that I'm like, okay, I got to pause this. We're only on hour four. Um, (laughs) But I say that to you and, I, and, and I, as a compliment, because I think so many people forget all the stuff we're capable of. And here comes the question I'm going to ask you, and I've asked many of my former guests who have been on with me to talk, how does somebody who looks out at that ocean and goes, too much, too much, too much, but I want to do something with my life, how do they bite-size it? without being overwhelmed by the stress. That was a gigantic question that you would have gotten much better answer. Like Gail King on CBS Sunday, regular morning, whatever morning show she's on, she would have asked that much better than I just asked it, but you get me. I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's such a good question because I think that we are all operating at maximum capacity and it doesn't feel like we have a lot of bandwidth. Um, Quite frankly, 
I never would have started a podcast if it hadn't, if someone hadn't suggested to me like, Hey, you could do short little daily episodes. Your book has 401 tips in it. You could just do a tiny little tip a day. You have enough right. episodes for a year. So I was like, Oh, well, a, that seems doable. And B, I actually, that might be something that I could consume. My husband listens to those multi-hour podcasts and I'm like, I think we need to talk about the division of labor in our household because I don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. And I have to say one thing. Yeah. You have a great voice. You, you, have one of the, you have one of the key elements because I have a lot of podcast friends who don't have the, a voice. You have a great sounding voice. I, oh my God, hopefully they're not listening. And they're gonna be like, he's talking about me. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I do love audio. I just love the format. I had a, in college, they, anybody could come down and have a radio show. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. I, and I would go down there and just, you know, putting on the headphones in your little booth. I'm an introvert. I think I just felt like I was in my, my power spot. Um, so I love the audio format too. But here's the thing. So in terms of how does a person look out at the ocean of all the possible things that they could do and figure out what they're going to do and how to move forward and just like getting over that hump of like overwhelm, I think that you, this is such a good question that I'm kind of even wanting to make sure that I give a good answer. A better answer. A better answer. Go ahead. That's right. A better answer than I would have given yesterday. Um, you know, it's really letting yourself feel that desire to do something. I mean, we all have these things that we have wanted to do. Maybe it's, you know, learn Spanish is something that I've always wanted to do or learn a musical instrument. Uh, you know, I think even indulging in a hobby or doing a deep dive into some kind of learning completely counts toward making you a better person. So sometimes there's a desire that's calling you forward, kind of like Bugs Bunny would float on the aroma waves toward the roast chicken, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's one option and one possibility. And then the other possibility is that there is something that is giving you a pit in your stomach. Maybe you had a tough interaction. Maybe you had some kind of interaction with your kid where you are just like, I can't believe I said that to them. Am I a bad parent? Am I a bad person? Or you lost your crap at a driver in front of you. I don't know what it is about being behind the wheel of a car, but man, (laughs) does does my impatience get triggered while driving? It it could be something little or it could be something big where you're just like, oh, I got to do better, you know? And I think that actually letting yourself feel either the desire or that pang is very motivating and and in that when if you're just present if you just allow yourself to feel that then i also trust that the right resource is going to pass by your windshield your metaphorical windshield soon like quick i don't think you have to go about i think where we get stuck is like oh, what's the right way to go about doing this right what if there is no one right way you know if you try something and you don't like it you can just it might probably will lead you to the thing that you like better you know, yeah. you might have to, you might have to persevere a little bit. You know, if you try something and you didn't like it, it would be very easy to say like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work. I'm not going to learn Spanish or <laughs> I'm not going to work on my parenting skills and I'm not going to think about it until the next time I say something that I regret. But um, if you 
allow yourself to remain present to either that desire or that pang and the thing that you try doesn't really feel like it's the right fit, you're just going to, it's just going to fuel your desire to, to stay open and find the next thing. You know, it's really just one step at a time. I think that's so important. If we could embrace that, like these small little steps over time do get you where you need to go. But we tend to want like radical transformation, like an HGTV show. (laughs) And instant gratification. And also, you know, there's a social media, Instagram, especially uh, the grass is always greener. Everyone's traveling. Everyone's having beautiful children. Everyone's you know, go, oh my God, that person's on a private jet. Like it's all these things. Why don't I, I'm not enough, all those things. But what you said is so important because, and I've used this analogy before quite a bit, which is if you want to get in shape, if you want to feel better, if you want to look great naked, those are great three very different things. If you want to be healthy, those four things, and they all involve most of them moving, physically moving. and. If I go and walk a mile or two one time and I don't lose 50 pounds and I give up, it's not about that. It's about taking the steps and continuing that you took the steps. And then I've used this analogy before of like I had a very dear friend who called me sobbing, crying in my 20s. She was very overweight. And she said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I was getting nervous that she meant, you know, she was going to you know, take her life or something. I wasn't sure what she meant. And I said, what can't you do? And she said, I can't feel like this anymore. I said, well, how do you feel? And she said, I feel awful. I feel awful. We got down to it. And she said, I want to change. I'm just so scared. And I said, yeah, but you're the only person who can do it. Like I can tell you to change and you're going to give me all the reasons not to change. And you're going to be all of the things from your past that you haven't let go of and all the reasons. But really, it's just one step at a time. Are you willing to do one step at a time? And she said, yes. So I said, okay, I'll say her name. Her first name is Terry. I said, Terry, um, go to your refrigerator, open the refrigerator, talk to me. And she opened the refrigerator. I said, you see, I know you, you see all the soda in there. And she's like, yeah, I go, I want you to dump it out. And she was sobbing, crying. And we were laughing at her cry. She was laughing, crying emotionally about <laughs> dumping out diet, Dr. Pepper. Mm. And I said, I want you, you are no longer going to drink soda. And she, I said, not tomorrow, not January 1st. You've stopped. It's already done. You don't drink soda anymore. And she goes, she threw tears. She goes, what am I supposed to drink? And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, water, (laughs) (laughs) coffee, tea. Like I gave her those options. But what was interesting is she kept calling me every few days and saying, okay, coach, what now? And I'd say, okay, this, okay, that. And then we hit the day, the pivotal day when I said, it's time. I'm picking you up tonight after work and we're going to the gym and she was terrified of going to the gym. I took her to my gym. I got a guest pass. We walk in, she was shaking and she said to me in a very quiet voice, they're all looking at me. And I said, honey, no one's looking at you. They're looking at that hot girl and that hot guy. They're not paying attention to anybody else. And she started laughing and I said, (laughs) stop thinking. So as a writer, I think this is so key because I'd like to get to this with you too. You know, and I know because I'm a writer. Who's the only person stopping us from writing? Oh, ourselves. Us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, yes. We could blame it on Boggle. I mean, I can't tell you all the things that I do when I need to write. It's just ridiculous. I'm like a bird brain going over. Oh, maybe I should check in on Twitter. Maybe somebody liked my tweet or 
you know, I think we all do this, but yeah, ultimately you just, yeah, you just got to like get, get those, get those fingers flying. It doesn't even matter if you're making sense or not. You probably are though. Was it flying for you when you started writing your first um, book? You know, it was, uh, well, it was because I had, I had made the decisions. So I think the hard part is really making the decisions. And it's almost like that story you shared. You're clearly a very good friend just to have somebody call up in that moment of vulnerability and really be honest about how they're feeling when it's, when it's, when it's that raw. Um, but you, like you made the decision for her in that the soda's already done. Not when you were saying not tomorrow, I mean, not next week, not January 1st. Like, yes, there's, um, there's procrastination. You were kind of nipping procrastination in the bud, but really what you were doing was you were deciding for her. And so when I was writing my first book, I had to write a book proposal and that's sort of a different animal than writing a book. A book proposal is like you're selling the idea of the book and it's a smaller, more tangible, more finite goal. It's maybe 30 to 50 pages as opposed to 250 to 300 pages. And in that book proposal, I already had to go and make all the decisions about how I was going to format the book. Um, you know, you have to do all the thinking in advance. And so I think it's the thinking and the decisions where we get sort of tripped up. And then once you know what you're doing, then you just have to sit down and do it. Like, you don't have to like it, <laughs> but you just have to do it, which is something that I say to my kids all the time. They're like, I don't like doing my homework. I'm like, well, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Um, so uh, I think that if you if anybody is embarking on some big change or a writing project or whatever, and you're feeling really stymied, then maybe there's a decision that you have to think through that can kind of clear the, clear the decks for you. So then you just, then you're just implementing, you know? And I think that gets back to what we were talking about earlier, which is there's times for talk and there's times for walk. And there's times that when you do get stuck, when I get stuck on things, I take action in a different area. I'll go to a different angle of it, you know, of a piece over here that I can physically get done. And the another thing I do for myself is I tell myself it's okay to do one page a day. It's great when I do 15. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, for one, sure. One is good too. One is good too. Some is always better than none. Um, except for those days when you need to just do nothing, which is completely legitimate and important. I'll just say, you know, I think we think, oh, if I miss a day of something that I say I want to do, then it's all over. And um, rest is important, too. Oh, I totally agree. Now, something that came up, too, with all of this is that we all have a past. Mm -hmm. And you said it yourself. You know, something you said maybe to your child that sticks in your mind, something that you did when you were eight or nine years old, 10 years old, 15, something you said to somebody two years ago or five minutes ago. It's forgiving ourselves for that past and letting it go. And on that note, there was a swirly Super Bowl <laughs> incident that I'm going to let you forgive yourself for live on World Gun Good. <laughs> this is, I feel like I'm on Oprah's couch right now. This is exciting. Yeah. Wait, do you want to jump up and down on it like Tom Cruise first? Or yeah. are you good? I forgive myself. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. have cars. I don't have cars for everyone. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I do remember, you know, I think we I think we do all have these things that we do that we just kind of like fold into our psyche that we have that make us things that we did or didn't do that we wish we had done or had done differently that kind of um, plant this seed that maybe deep down inside we're really not a good person. And one of the things that really plagued me for years, and I have much bigger examples. I want you to know that I am, so I have like, I'm a real person with lots of real world experiences. But one of the first ones that I remember is I remember shopping with my mom it was in Providence, Rhode Island, where I grew up and where I live now. There was this really adorable shop on Thayer Street. I still remember the name of it. I mean, I literally, I must have been five years old. It was called The Tin Woodsman. I was in kindergarten. And we were in there. My mom brought me in there. I don't know why we were in there. And it was I was just old enough, I think, to maybe like walk away from her in the store. And she didn't need to be by my side constantly. So probably around five. Um and they had all these little baskets on the floor filled with these little toys, you know, that just right at kid level. And there was this swirly Super Bowl. It was not big. It was little. It was the kind that's like like a big marble kind of a thing. And it was blue and pink and yellow and red. And I just, I wanted it so bad. And I didn't want to ask my mom for it because I didn't want her to say no. And so I was like, it's so small. And I'm back here by myself and nobody is looking. And I stuck it in my pocket. And I walked and then mom said, honey, are you ready? And I was like, okay. And we walked out the door. And I, I mean, immediately, as soon as I crossed the threshold, I was like, oh, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing. It's the thing that you feel bad about might feel really silly, like a sparkly, swirly, bouncy ball. But, uh, that stuff can hold you back. It, it can, you can, I think that we have these things that we're afraid that if people knew this stuff about us, they would think that we were a bad person. And so it kind of gets you to like clamp down around it, you know, like, Oh, nothing to see here. And, um, I think it's so important to really be loving and gentle and forgiving toward yourself for those things that we all do and all have done that if we had it to do over, we would make a different choice because looking back on it, we think like, eh, not my finest hour. Uh, but that's a really important part of being a better person because otherwise you're trying to prove that you're a good person. That's not actually authentic. You know, how does someone listening who has that moment in their life, whether it's a little swirly super ball or something much, you know, bigger as an adult that happened, how do they, forgive and let go and let grow, you know, get going. How, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you move forward? Yeah. Well, I think it's amazing if you can share it with someone who you love and trust to accept you and not judge you for whatever that is. And to, you know, validate you. Just be like, oh man, that sounds like that was hard. Not like, oh, you were just a kid. You know, you don't want somebody who's going to minimize. So it can be helpful for that person to be trained like a therapist or a coach. Um, because, you know, that stuff really, this is Brene Brown's work, right? That, that shame, that bad feeling about yourself really thrives in secret. And so if you can get it out and share it with somebody and the, just bring it into the light, 
<laughs> you know, what has been revealed can be healed, that kind of a thing. That's a pretty big step, though. Um, I find that, I mean, I'm a writer, so I'm um, biased toward writing, but I do believe in the fact that when you actually write something down on a piece of paper using your own hand and hearing the scritch, scritch, scritch on the paper, if you're using pencil or pen, the sound might be a little different for pen, but writing something down on paper and then being able to read it back is so more, so much more powerful than we realize. I think it's a great way for your subconscious mind and your conscious mind to kind of meet at the surface you know, and you can just do, I've, I have an episode about this on forgiving yourself. A super simple exercise is just to, you don't even have to go into it with an agenda. There might be something that you're thinking of that you're like, oh, that's my thing that I feel bad about. But maybe you don't go straight to that thing because maybe that's a big thing. You can just write at the top of a piece of paper. I forgive myself for, you know, colon, <laughs> and then just write down whatever comes up. It could be like the silliest little thing, you know, like, um, oh, this morning I went to tossle my son's hair to say goodbye. And I like poked him in the eye by mistake. You know, I, I could forgive myself for poking my son in the eye kind of a thing, but you just don't really edit yourself. Just see what comes up. Just write everything down that pops into your head. And then you can, when you're done, you know, you go back and you read it and you're like, dang, I was carrying around a lot of stuff there. And wow. Doesn't it feel nice to know that there's some part of me that's ready to forgive myself for all this stuff? And, you know, it frees up some energy and it just, um, it starts the ball rolling. And then you're kind of a, it sounds crazy, but you're a little bit of a different person. And then um, you can start to gain from there on out. You have a little bit more perspective on yourself and your actions and a little more practice at being forgiving of yourself. And you can work your way up towards that that big thing, or even if it's not that big, you know, but that thing that kind of like gives you the most pang. How to be a better person is a podcast. And where can my listeners find it? That's a dumb question because they found this one, but you tell them, tell them where to find it. <laughs> well, of course you can find it anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, you know, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those groovy places. Um, I also have a website for the podcast. It's be a better person podcast.com. And I just, um, so I just heard about this new app. I don't know. Podcaster to podcaster. Have you heard of good pod? I I'm on it. Yep. I've heard of good pods. Yep. Yep. Okay. Good pods. Thank you. So I, I think just, it's plural. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think I was probably already on there, but I just went and claimed my podcast on there. And so now I feel like I've arrived. <laughs> so anyway, that seems like a very cool app where you can, it's sort of like good reads, which I love because I love to find out what my friends are reading. So this helps you see what podcast your friends are listening to. So those are the places. Where do people find you? Where do people find you on social media? So on social media, on Instagram, I am Kate Hanley author. And on Twitter, I am Kate W. Hanley. How confusing is that? It turns out there's a lot of Kate Hanleys in the world. And they're all, they're doing some pretty cool things. Because of course, I have a Google alert set on my name, as we all do, right? <laughs> and it's always like, tell me you do. I'm not the only one. And it's always like Kate Hanley in Washington, D.C. is fighting unfair taxes or I don't know. But so anyway. 
If you find another Kate Hanley, I think that she's probably going to be pretty cool. But I'm Kate W. Hanley on Twitter and Kate Hanley author on Instagram. You can take that credit for whatever the other ones are doing. You you all are sisters. You share the name. You share the, you share the glory. That's right. We end these shows with two questions. They are uh, questions that you know the answers to. And they can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you have to say. Question number one is, who inspires you? Well, I mean, Dolly Parton, obviously. She's so cool. I have loved her since she was in Steel Magnolias. She is, she really is an inspiration to me. I sometimes think to myself, what would Dolly do? Um, that's a very specific example. In general, anybody who is like, has an open mind and will take something and run with it in, 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 the purpose of creating some change that they're seeking to make inspires me. When I hear from listeners that they tried something that they heard on the episode, I I mean, I just feel like I could sit down and write 200 more podcast episodes. It's so funny, age differences and and generations. You said Steel Magnolias. And the first thing I thought of when you said Dolly Parton was nine to five. Nine to five. I saw it in a movie theater, my friend. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic. And I have introduced my daughter to it, and she also loved it. But, you know, Steel Magnolias is just one of those movies that I could watch yearly and um, just laugh and cry in equal amounts every single time. The final question to wrap up the show is how we go out. Again, can go back to anything or anything new or you want to say. It's really simple. It's tell me something good. Oh, I'm going to tell you something so good. My kids are back in school. (laughs) And I have alone time again. And it is just a wonderful, beautiful thing. I feel that I know that all is not right with the world. Clearly not all is right with the world. But that there is just something so good and beautiful about them being where they're supposed to be and me being where I'm supposed to be, which is enjoying some alone time during the day. Thank you, Kate, for sharing your good. You can pick up Kate's book, How to Be a Better Person, wherever you book best. And you can listen to our podcast of the same name right where you're listening to me right now. Go on. Go ahead. Follow her. She's good people. No, no. Wait, wait, wait. She's better people. Next time on World Gone Good. It is so intense and there is so much information that's being passed and that we didn't even understand this until so recently. So I feel like when you're out in the woods, there really is magic happening just under that soil. Michelle Yan is the composting queen, the queen of gardening, recycling and cleaning up the mess. She's a lot of queens we've made on this beautiful still beautiful planet of ours she's going to share her journey of how she transformed the alley behind her house from an actual dumping site to a thriving garden she's going to tell us how easy it is to compost anywhere we live even right on your kitchen windowsill and she's going to help me with some tips for the brand new composter we just got in our yard If you've been like me, worried about our planet and what we are doing to it, Michelle is the go-to person to show you, me, all of us, how we can turn things around right in our own back or front yard or even on our windowsill. Until then, be good.